everyone. Welcome to the Life Unplugged podcast. This is James and Terry Kraft coming to you from sunny Southern California. Are you looking for an opportunity to join the discussion with two people who have traveled the real and vulnerable road of marriage recovery, ministry, family life, and leadership? Well, our hope is for you to journey with us through each episode into a discovery of what it means to live a faith-filled life in an honest, authentic, and unhindered way. So we encourage you to set aside life's distractions and stresses and get comfortable with us as we discuss Life Unplugged. Hi, this is James and Terry Kraft here at the Life Unplugged podcast, and we're excited about being back with you today. We have a, uh, I'm going to call her a resident uh, specialist. Is that okay? Because a fellow, fellow, (laughs) because she is uh, very special to us. But I I know every time we do a podcast with her, it becomes one of our top hit podcasts. It does. And so obviously she's doing something right and uh, has great insight. So I think it'd be great. We have Kristen Snowden back with us today. And so welcome, Kristen. Thank you for being here with us. Hello. Thanks for having me. And you're going to help us. We're going to walk through the kind of the ins and outs of kind of dealing with chaos in our world or how to endure stressful times and working through that. So uh, I know that uh, in our world right now, just turn on the TV, your blood pressure goes up, you know, because of what's happening and just looking around our nation and just the chaos uh, but it's not even just the riots and all that. It's everything else. Being home uh, with sometimes kids, uh, it can cause a little bit of chaos, you know, and blood pressure going up. So we're going to kind of work through that today with Kristen here with us. Yes. And we will put her, the way to get a hold of her um, in our information as well. But um, she's got a lot of, of amazing resources. Great resources. And obviously, we're going to be tackling kind of, um, and we're, there's a lot of words for it, but coping skills, coping strategies, how to get, get by, um, you know, all of those things. Um, and it's great because you have so much great insight into this, uh, Kristen, and so many different ways. So we want to just, you know, kind of dive in, um, you know, maybe we can look at what are some of the positive aspects of coping skills or coping strategies. That's, that's maybe our terms. Maybe not everyone even knows what that is. And maybe what are some of the negative, um, you know, strategies that we will sometimes use and how that impacts yeah, relationships. And, and before we even go there, I, I think, can Kristen, can you kind of speak into it? I know you're watching everything that's going on in our world today. And are you, are you observing people's tension levels going higher? Are we seeing, are you seeing firsthand, uh, you know, what are you experiencing right now with people and what are you experiencing with people right now and how they're dealing with it? Um, cause it's not always positive. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, we are now at the time of recording this podcast, we are six months deep into COVID. I mean, there's some talks about vaccinations being rolled out, talks about schools maybe going back into in-person settings. Um, in Southern California, we personally haven't seen any of that. So it's kind of same old, same old, not much has changed since March. And, uh, yeah, it's trying on everyone. I mean, I work at um, a residential treatment um, center and in, in, uh, intensive outpatient program, and I still do my private practice remotely, so via Zoom. So it's probably similar to lots of therapists and clinicians right now. And kids are home, and it's taxing. You know, partners home. We're trying our best. I mean, we are fortunate enough. We are in 
uh, the fortunate bracket to still have jobs and still have resources and not have uh, physical ailments constantly. So those are other ways that you can just pile on on top of the geopolitical environment. There's all these other kind of smaller, more impactful traumas that can be in your environment, stress um, kind of experiences. So finances, resources, health, um, your kids' health. You know, I'm getting our, our, our teachers are right now, I guess, being trained to check in with the client or the kids on kind of mental health. Mm. And I guess at one point, you know, my daughter is regularly expressed being sad. Mm. And frankly, she's really sad that her fifth grade you know, year at elementary school ended the way it did and that her much anticipated beginning of middle school is once again, beginning in the same remote zoom madness that we ended last year with. And for anyone to not feel sad and impacted in a negative way from this would just be in the minority, I would think. Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing to remember about the whole coping skills is no coping skill, right? So no, essentially let's define coping skills. Coping skills are strategies or things that we purposefully do. So we purposefully strategically set out to do in response to our physiological stress experience, right? Mm -hmm. So our body down to an atomic level responds in a agitated kind of way when it's under any kind of stress, any kind of state of change. Um, For us kind of psychologically, we feel safe and home in homeostasis and copacetic when we feel like life is predictable. When we feel like we have context, some level of control, um, we have some connection with other humans and kind of interaction and we do a co-regulation system with other people and we have none of that right now. Right, right. We have zero context of really how long this is going on, where it's going to go. We have minimal control in the situation and we've lost our connectivity with our co-regulation system. Yeah. Um, and so our bodies, and it's important first and foremost, before you can even strategize what your best coping skills should be or could be, are that your, our, your body is freaking out. Yeah. Everywhere it reads from being maybe around your partner 24 seven when you're used to not being around them 24 seven to your children being like, for the love of God, I want just like some time and attention from people other than my parents and my siblings. Like, and that's going to, you know, poke and prod and agitate their neurobiology. And so coping skills are just really thoughtful, purposeful Mm -hmm. things that we choose to do in response to our neurobiology being under a level of stress, our physiology being in a state of agitation, heart rate going up, um, breath being shorter, Mm -hmm. digestion struggling, um, you know, sexual drive going down, hormones kind of going out of whack, our, our brains having trouble focusing on just basic everyday skills. And then we have to first and foremost, be aware that that's happening, right? Right. The, the acknowledgement, the mindfulness, the step one of 12 steps that this is happening and it's not working. And then you have to um, engage your healthy coping skill strategies, which is really difficult. Yeah. And, and it's interesting when you say that, uh, Kristen, and, and, you know, thank you for that, that very thorough, um, kind of lead in, 
because I think it's helpful for people. Um, so if we don't have the awareness, then we could very well be, you know, using strategies that are maybe not quite so positive if we don't have that awareness right. you know, we're not intentional. Um, and it's kind of interesting, you know, we work with a lot of people who, who, um, who are dealing with addictive, uh, you know, behaviors and, and strategies. Right. And a lot of times you, you get them to a point and it's like, they go, Oh, Oh, I just realized I might be using that in a negative way. I might be using, you know, drinking wine in a negative way, you know, when, when, you know, they didn't have that awareness before. And then obviously when you get that awareness, you can make, you have the power to make the decision whether you're going to do a positive coping strategy or maybe one that's, you know, leading to more negative consequences. So awareness seems to be a key here. Right. Absolutely. Because our body is constantly in a state of upregulation, downregulation, right? So yeah. we, our, our stress hormones shoot up and, and, and then we get really overwhelmed, higher heart rate, you know, breathing alters and everything. Our mind ruminates and we struggle with our executive functioning skills of making good choices and assessing long-term consequences and impulse control, et cetera. And so then our body will crave downregulation mm -hmm. systems or mm -hmm. numbing systems of some kind. So it might be downregulating or or matching the the kind of frequency that you're at by screaming more and being louder and you know more boisterous or you may down need to downregulate by numbing, right? Consuming mm -hmm. alcohol. Right yeah. now we are consuming media and our phones and stuff it and we have also you and I or we all talk to you about pornography mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is um shot through the roof yep. and those are all just ways that we try to get out of our bodies get out of our neurobiology because it's really uncomfortable inside us right right now right yeah. it's interesting is if you talk to people who try they have a uh, you know from their conscious or their they're they're trying to make the right decisions of not using negative uh, coping mechanisms, maybe uh, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever. And they're trying to avoid that because they know, hey, that's not right and that's not healthy for me. And if they don't replace it with healthy coping mechanisms, a lot of times I've noticed with uh, guys I work with is just a lot of anger comes out because they mm. just can't connect how to release some of this tension on the inside or care for themselves because everybody has coping mechanisms, I, good or bad. You have coping, you you know, and we're going to go into right. that a little bit later, but I've noticed that a lot of anger coming out, you know, and a lot of anger being displayed with themselves and then with others. And so obviously tension in the marriages, tension in the home, you know, is right. really increased. And we can see the numbers across the board from uh, marriage, divorce to, uh, um, you know, abuse in the home and so on and so forth. The numbers are, are staggering that we're seeing right now because people aren't caring for themselves. They're not, there's not a self-care that's, that's taking place within themselves. And so I've seen that take place with just guys I work with directly. And it's not just because they're addicts. It's because, and I think that's no. across the board with people right now. Um, I'm looking at people in the grocery store. It's like, back off. It's okay. <laughs> just relax a little bit. It's just the intensity. Right. We see an intensity right now in our world that is um, off the charts on the freeway right now. I think everybody thinks that we live in Germany and we're on the Audubon, you know, and it's like, <laughs> just relax a little bit. But I don't think people are, are feeling that way. They feel that that point of driven or even the anger inside that we're observing because there's no care for themselves. 
Right. And there's, again, a neurobiological understanding to that, too, that I always try to help clients understand, which is when we're in a state of crisis, you know, our brain is built from the bottom up. So if you can imagine if you're, you know, listening to this, I'm touching the back of my spinal cord. And that's that fight, flight or freeze part of your brain. That is the limbic system whose only purpose in life is to keep you alive. It doesn't put things through rational thought filters or anything. It's just paying attention to your environment, looking at cues, assessing your your threat level and how to survive that. Then you have the middle brain. And then all the way up at the top is the neocortex. Um, it's the newest part of your brain, your executive functioning. That is the part that thinks about, oh, but I'm Kristen. This is what I value. You know, I'm also married and these are my children and I want to be this way. And these are the consequences if I scream at them and if I drink too much and blah, blah, blah. But the front part of your brain, the neocortex, takes a ton of oxygen and blood supply to be turned on, whereas the bottom part of your brain is firing away before your even conscious level knows. You know, the example I give is when you get it, almost get in a car accident, but you don't, but you feel that flare of hormones mm-hmm. that like fly through you, mm-hmm. or you almost slip or fall. And, and, and nothing actually happened, but that's how quick your survival brain is ready to fire off. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of firing off at different levels at different states at all times right now Mm -hmm. because of our environment. So there's also not even this opportunity for your, your prefrontal cortex to kind of say like, Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman of God, or I'm a compassionate person, or I'm struggling too. So this person must be in a state of struggle. That's all your executive functioning. Yeah. And that is too, your brain right now is like, that takes too much blood and that takes too much energy. I don't have time for that right now. Like <laughs> I'm busy keeping you alive. You know, people are dangerous. Yeah. The world is insane right now. And <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's, it's louder, it's faster, it's more efficient. And you have to work so hard so purposeful to turn on that executive functioning. Mm, That's so good. Great imagery. So Kristen, what have you found that works for you and, or, you know, your clientele for, for, you know, connecting that prefrontal cortex and, and getting that executive, executive functioning, um, you know, aspect of your life moving in the right direction or, or connected. Well, first it's the, to me, I think we feel everything first, like we feel first. So I can, I most often try to create a pattern of helping people understand how it shows up in their body. So if it's ruminating thoughts or very like suddenly pessimistic hopelessness. And, um, for me, I'm extra sarcastic. I'm extra, I kind of spew out like not the kindest words or in like a really sarcastic way to my loved ones. Um, and normally I'm more thoughtful about the way I want to say something or even things that I am sarcastic about. It normally don't even aggravate me. So I look for first and foremost for cues like that, Mm -hmm. because again, your executive functioning is not suddenly going, you're in a state of crisis, Kristen, you need to slow down. It's more like that. The survival brain gets out ahead of you and like, kind of acts like the little demon (laughs) and you're like, Whoa, that's there that is and so you have to have the space but you also have to you cannot talk about that stuff without acknowledging your shame voices Mm. right because being ashamed of that demon you know that survival brain of yours is what's going to cause you to be highly defensive right deny it Mm. minimize it ignore it 
um, pretend like it's somebody else's fault, not yours, um, versus just true legitimate accountability, mm-hmm. right? That's where that empathy and compassion comes in is it's, I have to understand my body is been in a constant state of like working, taking care of kids, engaging with husband, planning, logistics, safety, concerns, updating information. Like there's gotta be these moments of empathy and compassion where you're like, I am human. Mm -hmm. I am struggling. And everyone around me, I don't think they woke up to be a-holes. Like I think they're in a state of struggle too. And I need to, you know, give them some empathy and compassion, but you have to slow it down. Yeah. Um, so first it's a pattern of awareness of showing how it shows up in your body. Mm-hmm. And then there's lots of, I like um, the polyvagal um, model. It's a really neat neurobiological system model. Understand what state you're in um, and kind of name it. Be curious about it because the idea is, is that the more curious you are about your physiological state, the more you turn on your executive functioning. So okay. the more, if you're like, wow, this guy's like, really close to me at the grocery store and he's super agitator his body language is really but that's curiosity so the more i stay up in like what do you think's going on with that guy what do you think like is he a threat the more you can ask questions and engage yourself and also that other person if it's appropriate mm-hmm. the more you're staying in your executive functioning brain okay so being curious that's kind of the Brene mm-hmm. Brown soundbite mm-hmm. get curious that's mm-hmm. the yeah. most immediate one and then there's lots of other steps beyond that I mean I could list them out I could spit them yeah. out in the menu if you wanted yeah well and and it obviously then that opens you up to practicing you know, maybe breathing in relaxation techniques. Cause you said, you know, ox takes a lot of oxygen, you know, um, having some self-care meaning, you know, getting the exercise, you know, spending time, you know, maybe in solitude, you know, underneath the tree in your backyard and, and just getting to that calm place or enjoying your hobbies, um, putting the right kind of food in your body. I mean, all the kinds of things that would be more positive. <laughs> we were watching this. We love watching this new show with Zac Efron. Oh, what's the name of the, um, I can't even remember. He's now. traveling oh, survival. Yeah. He's traveling that... around the world with this guru and they're discovering different things. It's really cool. Discovering what water and this and that, but it, it, you know, he's, they're all talking about being centered and, and, they, they had this one scene that I thought I actually connected with it. I mean, the guy he was traveling with was went into the kind of a spiritual mode, but there's some, there's some real reality is he goes, take your shoes off and he goes and walk on the grass. And Zach Heffron's all, dude, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, cause they had just traveled and they were in a different time zone. Yeah. So he was trying to like, kind of get him sort of centered with the, the new time zone. And, and it's true. There is like this physical component okay. to, connecting our bodies to our environment. You know, sometimes we forget like, Oh yeah, our body's here. Yeah. And it was interesting to watch it. I thought, guy, cause, and I've tried it cause that's something where I'm not, there's no new age or anything like that. It was just something of, I'm going to try something different, take my shoes off and walk in the grass. And there's something about where even just feeling it yourself grounded. I'm like, I'm walking on grass. It feels good. I'm so busy. I, I work in a sterile environment where it's a desk, a mm-hmm. computer, a microphone or a keyboard or this or that. And sometimes we just got to get out and be able to feel, you know, because we feel so much on the inside. But then all of a sudden we can kind of just disconnect and say, I got to take time for me. Now, that sounds people can hear that okay. and they can go really. Sounds like a luxury. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Or whatever they want to do. But just 
it's something in your front yard, just go and do, you know, to disconnect. I think it's, it's such a practical process, but I know that, you know, with a self care component of just spending time on your hobbies and making it a priority, do something that you enjoy because in this season right, right now we're being consumed. Uh, if you're right. a parent, you're being consumed with your kids, marriage and so on and so forth. You got to make time for yourself. So in, in this, uh, neuro, a neuroscientist was talking about, and I keep hearing this. So I keep trying to remind myself this. So many studies go back to, you want to drive someone crazy really fast and agitate the hell out of them and really jack them up, deprive them of sleep. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that is something that costs $0, but does take timing and management and stuff like that. But that is one of the first and foremost things you can do to help your mental health yeah. is, is, and some people struggle with insomnia. For me, I thank God that has never been a problem of mine. Um, but you need to do whatever you need to do to healthily get some sleep. That's one of the, the best things that you can do. And the mm -hmm. basic things of like eating, getting outside, walking around, trying to engage with humans. Like this is why this is so trying is, is we have mirror neurons. Like we're supposed to be able to co-regulate each other through eye contact, face expression, touch, yeah. um, close proximity. If a person is a healthy, non-dangerous, threatening person to us, that is a healing, yes. a healing component that it can downregulate um, our stress responses. Right now, because of COVID, we're supposed to be socially distancing, but nonetheless, it is important to try to get that in some capacity. That's right. Some capacity. That is um, right. So those are all, those are cost zero dollars sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. but those have got to be priorities. And then just think if your brain is a constant agitated state, you know, think if you're running a marathon and you, you're running hard and, and working your body out really hard, it's not just about hitting the miles every day, no. which is what yeah. your brain's doing every day. It's hitting the mileage. It's got to be the rest and the self-care and the icing and the, you know, massage and all that kind of stuff. And you have to think about that in terms of taking care of your brain in between. Yeah. Mm. And it was, I just got back from Colorado and I went there with five other men. And I went there, I invited them to go on a backpacking trip so we could film this documentary on the character men. And we went over 200 miles uh, on our backpacking trip and we climbed, like, I think 40,000 feet up and down, you know, all the way through on what we did. And it was hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I was probably the, the guy in the very back and like, I can't do this. And we're carrying 50 to 60 pounds on our back. Well, that's all tough there. But when it got to the nights, uh, you're supposed to rest. Well, you're sleeping in a tent on a mat and that's not a problem. I can do that. But then when you have another guy in a tent next to you snoring the whole night long, I didn't sleep at all. I mean, I, I was like, and I was like, now, you know what I have to deal with. Yes. There's some empathy, but I couldn't sleep. And I was getting like four, maybe five hours of sleep at the max. And then you get up and you do it again. And then you do the night then again. And I literally felt myself starting to break down. Like my mind yeah. started to break down. My body yeah. kept on moving forward. And even though I was fatigued, but my mind started to break down. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't want to put up with you anymore. I had less compassion, less empathy, right. and I had less drive as well. That, And I know that connects with us on a daily basis on how we live our life here at home. And it's like, I go with you, Kristen, on this is that if you're not getting the sleep and the rest that you need, it starts to jack up your mind, you know, and yeah. you don't think clearly on that. 
Right. And so I'm just trying to give some really tangible, accessible coping skills. Yeah. Um, a lot of other things some would consider luxuries and stuff, but can you, you want me to throw out yeah, some ways? Yeah. But these are things that I think you're on the right path. If you're, you know, every day, even if you don't feel stressed, even if your immediate home environment doesn't appear to be that stressful, mm-hmm. I'm kind of going to encourage you to explore how stressful that the environment is around you, even outside your home base and start practicing. Um, there's any kind of dance movement. So throwing on some music in the kitchen and dancing around mm-hmm. doing that deep breathing. So there's that box breathing, take a deep breath in for three seconds, hold it for three seconds, breathe it out for three seconds, hold it for three seconds, breathe it in. And that does wonders. There's a ton of evidence that that can be quite impactful so meditation, mindfulness, that's a lot of hippy dippy stuff that people just cut over. Like we think we know it's yeah. cool, but we're not really sure why um, you can make it. It can be guided. So you sit and you listen to something on YouTube or some kind of thing. They have them on Peloton apps. They have them on the computers. It's free, accessible. It's essentially like a little baby nap for your brain. Mm-hmm. It gives your brain an opportunity to ne- you're not picking up on all the insane threat con levels around you and gives your brain a break to kind of rest mm-hmm. by doing mindfulness meditation. Um, mindfulness is I'm aware of things. I'm here. I'm present, but I'm not judging anything. I'm not, you know, deep thinking things. Uh, I just let them happen to me. Yoga, exercise, singing, playing instruments, playing sports talk therapy, uh, avoiding substance abuse. Imagine if we are in agitated states already, uh, inter- giving illicit drugs or alcohol or even maybe too much caffeine, which I am completely guilty of at this point. <laughs> you know, these are all things that are going to continue to agitate and, and disrupt the mm-hmm. balance of our neurobiology. Um, not to mention what you might be saying or doing when you're under the influence of mm-hmm. these chemicals as well. Uh, gratitude lists, journaling. Um, and yes, gratitude list has science and evidence to support mm-hmm. it, but it's, I try to follow up anytime that I am in a bewildered state, um, that I try to follow it up with, you know, I'm grateful we have resources. I'm grateful that my kids are able to get outside. I'm grateful that my children that we live in California right now where the weather allows us to go do these things. Mm -hmm. You know, I can make for every sad grieving moment, which by the way, gets to be validated. You Mm -hmm. get to grieve, Mm -hmm. you get to feel lost. You get to be sad. None of that is invalid, Mm -hmm. but I try to balance it out by gratitude Mm -hmm. as well over things that I can also be joyful. um, That allows me to not be sucked into that dark vortex. Um, Talk to a trusted person uh, sighing, ah, like, you know, it sounds crazy, but we do it all day, every day. It's actually a neurobiological reset in our body. Are you guys sires? You um, find yourself doing the, ah. yes. oh, Terry does all the time. And everybody was in like, my family is always like, mom, we know where you are by the way that you sigh. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just your neurobiology. If yeah. it gets overwhelmed, you're running on a fast circuitry yeah. and it needs to like, reset. Um, so you can wow, reset numerous times per yeah, day. Reset, reset. <laughs> Attend support groups. I'm running a couple support groups. You guys are running support yep. groups when all else fails, reach out to people for the love of God, yeah. like reach out. You are not alone. Yeah. Um, serve others in the community where applicable. 
Um, I'm trying to get my kids and us out there to do that. Sometimes that really brings, helps you with gratitude is when you're out serving community, uh, neurofeedback. So that's a EMDR. Those are like Mm -hmm. trauma treatment kind of things. So that's just a list of a couple things that really really are known, um, evidence-based ways of managing your, your stressful state. Yeah. That's really good. good. That's really good. Very good. Well, Chris, you you knocked it out of the park. Thank you. Thank you for your time with us today. And so it's uh, since you are a fellow now, uh, a resident specialist, uh, we're going to, you won't, you won't want to miss our next, um, uh, session with her as well. We're going to be talking about compassion fatigue. And if you don't know what that is, you're going to have to come back and listen. So That'd be awesome. Thank you, Kristen, for have our, being with us tonight. I know if you want more information on the website, go ahead and tell you, go ahead and get the, yes, the, the website. KristenSnowden.com and it's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. Don't mess that up. And nope. she's got great. And she's also going to be launching a lot of new things, which you can find information for her new online uh, platforms, um, which we're going to talk about in our next session here. Um uh, there on her website, which she'll direct you there as well. So, uh, thank you, Kristen. Again, yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah, and anybody, if if you want, go to our website at uh, live uh, livelifeunplugged dot org. You can go there, and with mi- we have many resources there for you to connect with. Um, we are so grateful for these times with Kristen and with other guests we've had. But you can check out even past episodes that we've had that might be pertaining to where you're at. And so we're thankful for this time and we will see you next time at Live Life Unplugged. If you'd like to hear more from James and Terry, subscribe to this channel, check out their website at jamesandterrycroft.com and livelifeunplugged.org or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. This podcast is made possible by the generous partnership of Rasa Flooring, Miller Waldrop Furniture, Kingdom Work Studios, and Embassy City Church.